Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we know that uh, even as you've instructed us to be able to give a defense of the hope that we have in Christ, your word gives us instruction on how we can do that. We have examples in your word, and uh, Lord, we know that trusting in you is reasonable. In fact, it is the most reasonable thing that we can do. Truly, everything else is folly. So thank you for the truth of your word, and I pray that we would be built up in the faith, just encouraged with our own faith and walk with you through our, our study of this. But I also ask that you would use this as we seek to bring the hope of the gospel to others, uh, that as we engage in the conversation, uh, that we may see souls saved in the defense of the faith, uh, which you know is raised against us. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Apologetics, defense of the faith. Just want to start off by asking the question: What is apologetics? Defense of the faith. Defense of the faith. Right. That's just a real simple thing. We're not talking about being being apologetic in terms of apologizing. Right. There's nothing that we're sorry for. Uh, it's interesting. The the word apology is it fits into a category in the English language called a contronym. A contronym, we know what antonyms and synonyms are, right? That antonym is the opposite, two words that are opposite, synonyms are words that are different words that they mean the same thing. Well, a contronym is the exact same word spelled the same way, but can have opposite meanings depending on the context. So an apology can be something that you're sorry, you know, I'm sorry for this, you know, I should have done that. You're, you're kind of uh, recanting from a position of sorts. But an apology, used in the classical sense, is also a defense of something. It's like, no, this is my position, and here's why. I'm not sorry. I, I stand on this position. It's kind of its own opposite sorry. in that way. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Exactly. <laughs> That's the modern, uh, the modern lingo for that, right? you know that we all use apologetics every single day? I'm not talking about in the technical sense of a, a, you know, a defense of the faith necessarily, but just an everyday conversation, anytime we're arguing for something or even just giving the reason for why we prefer something or we like something or we think something is right, we're using apologetics. <clears throat> so just a couple silly examples. What's I don't know if any of you have favorite sports teams. Any of you have favorite sports teams? Go Seahawks. Go Seahawks. Why do you like the Seahawks? I'm from Seattle. You're from Seattle. You just gave an apologetic for why go Seahawks. Right? It's defense. It's just, hey, this is a big name. Some are lousy, some are good, you know, whatever. But hey, it's a defense. It's a reason. Same with a biblical apologetic. And there are some poor biblical apologetics, there are some better ones, for sure. To go a little more serious direction, should murder be illegal? Murder? Murder. Yes. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be right just to unjustly kill someone, right? Well, why? Why should it be illegal? Why is it wrong? Well, it's wrong because 
human beings are made in the image of God. And it is wrong to do this because that's an affront not only against that human being, but it's also an affront against the God who created them. Right? So we're, you're offering a defense. It's a reasoned position for why you hold to the position you hold to. Uh, just a couple of things that agree the apologetics. It comes from the Greek word apologia, meaning to explain, to reply to, to refute charges, to defend. We see this in a variety of passages. Of course, the most famous one is that First Peter three fifteen. We sanctify the Lord as Christ as Lord within your heart, always able to give a defense, a reason for why you believe what you believe, a reason for the hope that is within you. It's a, it's a. Explanation or a reason defense of, of the faith in that way. The different people have defined apologetics in different ways, and we're just going to show a couple of these definitions because I think they're helpful just as we think through what apologetics is when it comes to the technical sense of defending the faith. It is the discipline of offering a defense of and case for, or even to offer evidence for the veracity. What's that word veracity? That's a word we don't use in everyday language. Truthfulness. Yeah, veracity, the truthfulness of something. The veracity, the reliability of the Christian faith. And it's a discipline. It, it, there's a study involved with it. It's just there, you know, carrying different lines of thought through. For offering a defense of and a case for the veracity and the reliability of the Christian faith. In more simple language, it's knowing what you believe why you believe it, being able to explain why in a winsome way. And the concept of winsome, we get that also from that First Peter passage where it says, give a reason for the hope that is within you with gentleness and respect that governs how we present that information. We're going to look at that text more fully in a few moments. There's a famous uh, uh, apologist, that's the word I was looking for, Apologist who defined it this way is the vindication of the Christian worldview over and against the non-Christian worldview. So when it comes to what is apologetics, it's a vindication, it's a defense of it, it's proving the truthfulness of something, it's, it's proving it to be true. The Christian worldview is true over and against the non-Christian worldview. And it's really, there's only two categories of worldviews, right? There's the Christian worldview and there's everything else. That is not the Christian worldview. There's really no neutral territory between the two. There's no middle ground. It's either a biblical worldview or non-biblical worldview. So when you start talking about apologetics, we're, we're trying to defend it. We're trying to, to show that the, the truthfulness of it, the vindicate the Christian worldview, show how it is inherently superior to the non-Christian worldview. And we have a variety of ways that we can approach doing it. Now, let me ask this question. Is there a difference between apologetics and evangelism? I think yes, but I think they're often, I think they often go hand in hand. I think they're probably from sides of the same coin. So what, we, we just defined apologetics. What is evangelism? Looking at evangelism. The spreading of the Christian gospel by public or 
emotionally driven, whereas apologetics come across more logically than the ish. Okay. So if someone is trying to evangelize perhaps by an easier personal testimony? Or, or what do you mean by it feels good. It, it bringing in feelings. Like the whole glitter thing. Can't you feel the spirit move? And all that. Well, hopefully, hopefully there's a content to the evangelism. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's that's really what we should be getting at. Evangelism is that you're sharing the good news with the gospel. Right. Whereas apologetics, you're more defending why why do you believe what you believe. And maybe the apologetic that that you're focused on is why do I believe the gospel is true? But maybe someone asks me a question completely, you know, not necessarily directly related to the gospel or, or not obviously, well, why do you believe in the Trinity? There's an apologetic to, to defend why I believe that. That's not necessarily, I mean, it is ultimately everything will tie back to the gospel. Right. But it's not necessarily like, and if I'm doing my job in, in defending a, a doing apologetic, it will come back to evangelism. Right. But like a, an apologetic too, it may be two Christians who believe something doctrinally different. Well, why do you believe that? I mean, that's still apologetics. Technically, yeah. In in the, in the broader scope, um, it, it it certainly is. A, anytime you're defending something, you're offering an apology. Not, I'm sorry, but it's a defense. Um, the word evangelism is a, the Greek word evangel, meaning good news. Um, evangelism, spreading the good news. Uh, so there should be a content there. Um, we have, you know, there's evangelicalism, and maybe that's what you're kind of thinking of with the kind of the emotional past that word. The broader evangelical church is kind of marked by some of that stuff today. But the process of evangelism itself should be just the, the content of proclaiming the good news to someone. And that can be a personal context, that can be a personal <coughs> context, it can be a variety of different contexts. But we're giving the good news of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And like what you said, Jim, apologetics is kind of more defending. Like, okay, let's say you're in that conversation. Someone says, well, you Christians, though, you believe, you only believe the earth is like 6,000 years old or something. You don't even believe in the Big Bang. Well, there's reasons for that. And you can provide an apologetic, you can provide a reason for that. Uh, but ultimately, my argument should, or all of our argument should be, if we ever just do apologetics and we just defend something, or maybe we're just providing a rational reason for something, a building an argument for the existence of God, or whatever else we might be going down, depending on who we're talking to, what the topic is, if we never actually circle back around to the good news of the gospel, and get back to the purpose of the conversation being evangelism, even if you win the arguments with the apologetic, you can still lose the purpose for the conversation in the first place because we have to share the gospel. Apologetics on its own doesn't share the gospel. We need to pair it together. If we ever separate evangelism from apologetics, then we can run into trouble. And we can have the gospel shared, we can do evangelism, and never even need to use apologetics. But if we're using apologetics and we never do evangelism, I 
think we I think there's a problem. There's an imbalance there. So I think we need to be careful and be on guard against that. Um, there are famous. Uh, there are some people out there who go out in the streets and they do evangelism and they do apologetics and they film it all, right? And then they put it on YouTube and you can watch them have these interactions with these people on the internet or on the streets and stuff. Sometimes those videos are very helpful because you can see real world application of how to have a conversation with somebody on the street. You just inter 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 uh, interacting with someone, engaging with someone, you're just having those conversations. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I see. I see how he was able to kind of steer that conversation. I see, you know, the, the way people typically respond to that kind of reasoning and such. But there's a danger I found in some of these YouTube apologists who go out there less for the purpose of evangelism and more for the purpose of making content. I'm making content so that I can show you, show, show the world how you know my apologetic is superior or whatever. Yeah, and so I, I get the sense that these they're not going out with the purpose of evangelism, they're going out with the purpose of getting into an argument so that they can use their apologetic. And they never share the gospel. So people walk away, you know, frustrated that they lost an argument. Like, oh, this Christian or whatever, they're just mad. They never shared the gospel, never got back to the purpose of why those conversations should be happening in the first place. And so there's value, and I'm not, I'm not saying don't watch these guys on YouTube. Some of them are sometimes they can be valuable. I've, I've benefited from seeing, again, this. How do these conversations take place in the real world? There's a video of it. It's it's a very organic. It's just a filled, real world conversation. I think there's, there's a certain wisdom in you know, when when people are evaluating, trying to figure out, do I really understand this? Can you explain it to a six-year-old? Six-year-olds are the easy ones. And, and I think that's the connection between apologetics and evangelism, because in a spiritual sense. Yeah, you are. Uh, there are times where you're engaging with people that are very intelligent and smart, though. And so it's, there's there, there's there's a balance in there in terms of just being able to. Uh, yeah, you do need to be able to explain the gospel simply, uh, but you got there's times where you're interacting with people. Um, you have to answer some pretty tough arguments, and maybe you have to step away and say, "Hey, you know, I don't really answer that. I got to study that up. I'll come back to you." Uh, that sort of thing can happen. Um, I see these videos, and a lot of times it's in the political sphere, but I've been noticing it more within some of these evangelist type or uh, apologetic type videos uh, where the title of the video is like, Ben Shapiro destroys legal arguments, oh, blah, blah, blah. Like, that, like, that kind of title, or, you know, so-and-so owns this, whoever is just like, this big smackdown, like, yeah, your argument is destroyed, bam. I've been seeing those kind of titles with some apologetic videos. Yeah. Christian owns, you know, atheist, whatever. It's like, no humility there at all. That's not the point. Right? That's not what we're about. We're not, we're not just trying to win arguments so that we can puff ourselves up and say, yeah, I got the best argument. That's not the point. We want to get to the heart of the matter. We want to get to people's souls. We want people to hear the good news of the gospel and trust in Christ. So we want to see that as our ultimate goal, to see faith in the gospel develop through our... That's, that's the whole point of it. Let's, let's open our Bibles. Let's go there. Let's, this is a good time to go there. 1 Peter chapter 3. 
passage that y'all have heard dozens and dozens of times.
there are approaches that are not helpful, that there are approaches that are more damaging to the faith than actually helpful. And, and I think in talks about why that is. So if, you, if you're coming at it in a way that isn't with a good approach, it's not with a good it's not with a good approach, you're going to be reviled, but you're not going to be reviled to the gospel. You're going to be reviled because of your conduct and rightfully so. Right. And that's, and that's exactly it. And that's, so he says in verse 17, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil, right? Like, if you're suffering for doing evil, that's your own silly fault, I guess. You're getting better. Um, but if you're suffering for doing good, that's, that's actually better. So, right. Yes, it, it all must appear together that way. Now there is a, a flip side to this. So there is a there's the there's the defense side of, of you know, defending the faith, defending when things are brought against us. We should give that reason, that hope that's within us. There is an offensive part of this as well. There's a defensive, and then there's a, a way we can go on the offensive. Let's go over to Second Corinthians chapter ten. Again, so we're not talking about 
physical structures that we're invading and, and, and casting down, right? We're, we destroy strongholds, but it's not a physical thing. No, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. There are unbiblical worldviews. There are worldviews that, that do not start with God's Word, do not start with the Scriptures, do not start with the knowledge of God. And they raise themselves up against the knowledge of God and seek to attack God. They seek to attack God's Word. And Paul is saying, no, we have superior firepower in this fight. We can destroy strongholds. We can, we can destroy those arguments through a reason the defense of the faith by providing uh, the reason for the hope that's within us. We can show from God's word what is true, what is accurate, what worldview stands to scrutiny. Because ultimately, every other worldview that is out there is self-defeating. Every other worldview is self-contradictory in some way. And only the Christian worldview can make sense of everything that we see in the world around us. So Paul says this, this is this is an offensive idea, like a, not in the sense that it's confident, but no, it's you know, we're going on the offensive, it's a um, I don't know what a synonym for that would be. It's not defensive, it's offensive, right? We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. There are ideas that are out there, there's different approaches to different things that are out there. We're saying, no, that's not according to the God. Here's what the Word of God actually says, and we seek to bring every thought captive to Christ to bring it underneath the authority of Jesus Christ. So there's really two aspects of apologetics in that way. There's There are times when you play defense. People are, 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 are raising things against us, and they're asking questions, and we're providing that, that defensive argumentation and defensive reasons for why we believe what we believe. But there's also the offensive nature. There's times we do play offense as we seek to expose the futility of the worldviews of others. We're exposing the futility of the worldview and how it cannot hold up under scrutiny. It cannot withstand examination. This is something that was pounded into my brain by my pastor growing up. He hit this over and over and over again. Truth never needs to be afraid of investigation. Truth never needs to be afraid of investigation. If something is true, it will withstand scrutiny. It will withstand examination. And when we are destroying strongholds, every argument and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, we're seeking to expose the faulty reasoning through examination of unbiblical Thoughts or questions on any of that before uh, a couple more things we'd like to go over today? There's a sense in which uh, apologetics is, is really for believers. Uh, we just went over some of this, so this is actually some of what we just covered. Uh, we should be able to explain why we have faith in Christ, 1 Peter 3. We should be able to critique unbiblical worldviews as the passage that we just looked at. But we should also be able to use our minds and our intellect for the glory of God when we're thinking about things, we're trying to think rationally, we're trying to think according to, uh, according to the Word of God, we're trying to use our minds, use our intellect to the glory of God, use our brains well, and it edifies us, right? When we, when we go through these arguments and we see, oh, there's, there's actually, there's good reasons for believing what I believe. Like, I believe it, and that's not, not going to change, but there's good reasons for it as well. Like, it's not just... Emotionally true. It's it's 
intellectually true. It stands up under scrutiny. So there's 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 a benefit to it there. But apologetics is also for unbelievers. And the answer is not questions, questions and removes distractions from the this is a big, this is a big thing right here. Sometimes we can get caught up in the apologetic for the sake of the apologetic, the argument for the sake of the argument. If we're connecting apologetics with evangelism, apologetics serves to remove the barriers. Right? So you, I, I had this conversation with, a, with an individual. I was trying to share the gospel with him. And he would just bring up issue after issue after issue that were just, they were just smoke screens. That's all they were. They weren't really anything substantial to him. Like, Okay, if you answer me this question, then I'll believe. Now, if you answer that question, there's another thing. There's another thing. Oh, what about, you know, what about the Crusades? Oh, okay, there's that. Well, okay, well, what about, you know, the Bible's not really reliable, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's been corrupted over time. No, actually, there's good reason to, to believe. Well, okay, well, what about this? And just, there's this reason after reason after reason. Apologetics serves to knock down those walls. Say, okay, your objection is futile. It's not a real thing. Now let's get back to the gospel. It removes distractions. It answers questions that are legitimate questions. Okay, if that's a legitimate question, I'll answer the question. It's a distraction. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? You have to stand before God. So it, it gets those things out of the way in order to get to the gospel. When coupled with evangelism, it points non-Christians to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of that. That's what we should be doing. It's not just, again, I'm, I'm kind of out harping on this point a little bit today, but it's not just winning the argument. It's pointing them to the Savior. Pointing them to Jesus Christ. There's a Savior for your souls. Winning the argument Yeah, there's you can you can intellectually win an argument to where someone says, "Oh, I got nothing, but I got no reply." I'm conceding. Okay, you're smarter than me in this area. Won the argument. <clears throat> if you don't follow that up with, "Okay, well now you see how why this is important," so that you become the faith in Jesus Christ. Like there's it, it, it's a, it should be a pathway to that, and not an end in itself. Thoughts or questions? There's different approaches to apologetics, and I'm not going to get into those today just because of time. Uh, that's, there's a whole, a whole lot that can be there. Faith is reasonable. 
flexible to deal with the different uh, people that are at different stages of life and different places of reasoning in their lives. So that is something that I do want to try to take away the intimidation factor. Like it doesn't have to be this in, this great big logical intimidation. There are some very heavy arguments that are out there that are honestly difficult to understand. But we don't have to go there to do apologetics well and to get to the gospel. That to your point, Rob, we absolutely are. Um, we need the Spirit of God to be at work. In our hearts and the hearts of our neighbors, and we have to pray for that every day. So. Well, that is all we have time for today, so I'm going to close us in prayer and we'll get into some more things in the future weeks. Father, I do thank you for your word. Thank you that it is sufficient for us, that we can have confidence in your word. Lord, I do pray that, Lord, as we walk through this material and study, and uh, Lord, that you would help us uh, to be able to be firm and, and confident within our own faith in you. But also, Lord, I pray that, that you would use this to encourage us, and as we seek to reach out to others, that we can engage people with the gospel, that we can direct them back to their need for you. Uh, I pray that you would help us in these ways. So do thank you for your word again. Thank you that there is a or good reasons for believing why we believe. Pray that your spirit would be at work within our hearts. Pray that we can speak with gentleness and respect. Pray that your spirit would be at work in the hearts of those who hear. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.